on page Ayin Tess, we're in the middle of this delightful discussion of death, and we understand the pneumias of what it means to live with that thought, not in any kind of an obsessive way, and not in any kind of a way that that traps or paralyzes, but in the way that frees and gives life. We're learning about how to uncover the Nakuda Hapnimis, the inner Nakuda, in each and every one of us, that realization and that unbelievable feeling that fills one's entire being of Bonim Atam Hashem, that Kivyochel were Hashem Baruch's children. And the only way to the only way to come to that is by being able to detach ourselves from the Chitzonius Halev, from the covering, that which covers that reality, that truth. One of the most powerful ways to do that is what we've been learning the last few weeks. This is Bonimus living with this thought of of how life is not anything that we should take for granted. And and it's not just a matter of uh, of the eventuality of death, which of course is, is looming over the person more and more as he ages and she ages. But it's more than that. It's recognizing, recognizing that it's not just a matter of that something that is in the far, far away in the future. Alavai should be, Alavai should live to 120. But, but the feeling, that feeling that every single second could be my final second and how that changes a person and not in an unhealthy way and not in a way that harms but in a way that helps oh. we're on page Ayn test around 10 lines up from the bottom the paragraph begins this takes time to, to learn how to think about this you can't come to this five minutes, ten minutes. A person can try to begin, take out a pen and a piece of paper, and to write on a piece of paper. What would you be doing? What would you now be doing? If you knew, God forbid, if you were just told, Khalila, that you have 30 days left to live, and to write down on a piece of paper, if you had only 30 days left to live, what would, what would you do? What would you do? How would you spend these 30 days? When a person realizes where this is taking him, when you write it on a piece of paper, being retired to oneself, not in any kind of way to cry or to get depressed or sad. And he'll realize, when he thinks deeply about this, that the Seder Hayom, that that way of life that he has written on the paper, all of the Sadal Atzmai, is the Seder of life that you should live with for the next 70 years with God's help. Think about that. A person, anyone like ourselves, anybody who's here is not going to write on the paper, 30 years left, look, I didn't yet have that certain flavor ice cream I heard about. It's only in Switzerland. I better get to Switzerland. I'm going to find a way to get to Switzerland. And there's a certain place where they make a certain ice cream. And that's that... I have only 30 years left. How could I, how could I go up to Shemai? How could I leave this world without having tasted that ice cream? Or whatever it hell, ever else that we're used to hearing from sources that are not Jewish. Even from, the, even from very, very Choshevet people. I, I, I spoke about a book that I hadn't seen, but I had read about. And my wife just showed me a few days ago, she got from the library this Last le- last lecture, I think it's called the final lecture. The last pa- pausch is that how you say? Pausch is how you pronounce that. 
the final lecture. I mean, it's a small book. It, uh, you can read it in a half hour. And the and the the toichen of it is very, very sweet and very touching because he's obviously a very fine person. He's a fine person, and, he's a, and he was a refined person. He was a, he was a very harsh of a person. There's no question about it. Still, it wouldn't be our last lecture. It wouldn't be. It would be a different... For who he was and where he came from, it was very beautiful. But it's not our last lecture. There's a... There's, I, I heard myself from Reb Shalmash Fadron, you heard Reb Shalmash Fadron? He was a famous Tzadri Magid from Yishalayim. I myself heard from Absalom, this goes back, this must be around 28 years ago, 29 years ago, in Queens, in Kewadon Hills, I remember exactly where and when it was, and Absalom gave a shmuz. Only somebody who ever heard of Absalom, I know somebody might have read things about him or some of his stories or tires, but only if you heard him in person would you be able to understand how special this was. But Absalom, he was like, an Academy Award-winning, dramatic, unbelievable, dramatic person. He told over something. We were all like sitting on the edge of our seats. And Absalom was saying this thing about that, that there was a, a, a cruise, uh, there was an announcement in Shemaim to all the Nishamas, to all the Nishamas in Ganadin and all the Nishamas in Gehenna, in the good place and in the bad place, there was a big announcement that they get there's a half hour they get to spend back in the world. Like a, a, a leave. Half hour furlough, I guess, I don't know if it's good to be, but a half hour, a half hour in the world. Came out and they announced the Shalom. So, Rav Shalom says, this happened, Rav Shalom says, this happened, and, and what happened? So he starts to describe that all these, all these people came down into the world again, all these Yidin came to the world. So they, they're going crazy. This one runs to, to grab a Mishnahis. And someone goes over to him, Hey, Yankum, you're alive. I haven't seen you in, in, in I haven't seen you in forty years. How are you doing? I can't talk now. It's nice to see him. And he's with the Mishnahis. And the other one is running over to his brother and, said, and he says to him, I'm so sorry, I never asked you for Mechila, what I did to you when I was alive, how much I hurt you and, and he cries and he asks him for Mechila. The other one grabs uh, this one grabs a gemara. The other one this one's uh, going to his father to uh, everybody's going and the whole time Shalom is describing like a thousand different things. He goes then he says, 15 minutes left, 15 minutes. And the oil, because there's an announcement comes out from Shalim, 15 minutes. And they're all going crazy, 15 minutes. So people want to talk to them. I guess they get phone calls and other things. I can't talk. I can't. I got, I got, I can't. And they're, because any ticking that they make during that half hour, they go backwards to Shalim, you understand? It's forever. It's mamish forever. So Shalom's going like this on and on. It's in this Five minutes, and he sang this Moshe the tailor and, and Beryl the, the, the butcher, and I, it was crazy running the sugar. And, and he says, 30 seconds, and we're all going like this. And then he says, 10, and the whole island were like counting with him. Four, three, two, one. And then Reb Shalom was quiet, and we all just sat back. And then he started, and Reb Shalom started to cry. I was there. And he said, the whole thing he was giving was in Hebrew, because it was mostly to people who didn't speak Yiddish, it was in, in Queens. And then he said, Noah Rabbi and what's his? And he said in Yiddish, he says, the Eibushter, the Rabbi gave us more than a half hour. Oh, that's a schlecht, Rabbi Is that bad? And he said, go. And he told us, I'm finished, go live. As he said, go, live. And that's, that's how it ended. And the Rabbi gave you more than a half hour, so was a schlecht. What's so bad about that? I'll never forget it. The, the limud of it. I mean, I wish I could say that I, I, I live with it, but I, I certainly remember it. <clears throat> More than a half hour. So a person takes out a piece, of, a piece of paper and he writes down, how would I spend the last 30 days of my life? Not like a, a, a composition for, you know, high school composition, but the emes bemis, to try to enter into that place with all the tziur and with all the upsetting images of sitting in the doctor's office and the doctor telling you something, God forbid, that's not good. And then having to and then having to think, what am I going to what am I going to do? Not not with the, after they're crying and after the everything and then there's quiet and and, and after the after the rash and the ruach, the ash and everything, there's a cold and a doctor. what are you gonna do? You have thirty days. 
to write out a plan, to write out a plan. I want to break my record for text messages from the last month. I had a, I, I had a record last month for text messages. I'm going to break my new record. I'm going to make text. No one would have such a sheifa. To go to see, I was never in the Orient. I was never in the Orient. That's not, that's not going to be on any of our papers. That I never went to China. Maybe some of you did. It's not going to be on any paper. I never went to China. Ooh, I had such a thing. I always wanted to go to China. Or I always wanted to play professional. One of his things was professional football. I always wanted to play professional football. I always wanted to be in the That's not. That's not on any. There's not one paper in this room that would have such things. Not football for sure not. But whatever you know, other stuff. There's not one. There's not one paper that would have any of those things. What would the papers be? Exactly what Reb Shalom was talking about. The Chapatilim. The Chapnocha. An Amen Yeshmei Rabba. Because from Shemayin, you know what it means. Amen Yeshmei Rabba. You were there. That's the story. They came down. They know what it's worth. An Amen Yeshmei Rabba. They know what it means. The chapters tell them. They know what it means to go over to a brother and say, "I'm so sorry, I hurt you." They know what it means to make up with a friend. They know what it means. They know that it's a nitzchis is forever, ever, ever. Any kinyan of this world, anything that we acquire of this world is forever and ever. And it fixes all of our earlier gilgulim, our earlier lives, and so on. No one's wasting time. No one's wasting time. To live with that, with a life that's filled with meaning, the only ones who live lives that are filled with meaning, the emmas, are the ones who have tasted what it means not to be alive. And if a person doesn't have that taste in his mouth, then he can't truly, truly appreciate. And appreciate, I don't mean, I mean the way we're talking about. He can't truly understand the gift of life, of, of what life is, of what the Bereshit gave us. So far from being a depressing thought, if you look at it, if you if you do this in a superficial, silly way, then oh, what do I think about this is depressing? It sets a person on a course of action. The kates had And how does one do this? Harry Sovkal Sov, Kshayodim, Shaelu, Shleshim, Hayomim, Hachroinim, Chaim Kach, Vim Loy Loy. So, how do you do this? Harry Sovkal Sov, the bottom line is if I would really know that these are my last 30 days, then maybe I could, I, I would live that way. I would think about what's important and what needs to, what needs to be taken care of, what I have to do and how I shouldn't waste time and so on and so forth. But the Maisa, Vim Loy Loy, but Vashem Kach, in order to, bring ourselves more into this avoider, more into this way of, of living and thinking. We have to, it's not just a, a work of five minutes every now and then. Lahasmid means we have to be consistent. We have to be consistent in, in using these images, these thoughts, these pictures in our brains as we spoke about. To enliven within ourselves that simple nakuda. That Hashem causes death and He brings to life. There's nobody that's exempt from that. There's nobody that's there's nobody that's part of from that. And as we spoke about last week, each and every day we hear, we hear unfortunately, very sad stories about people. But a day ago, they were healthy people just like us. And they, and they, and they were making birthdays and weddings. And on page P. And today, there, we, we found out that that person is already uh, on, on his or her way to the, to the world that is entirely good, meaning to the world beyond this world. Very, very sick. Hashem Yerachim. I was talking to somebody last week. There was a husband and wife who came to see me. 
the wife is uh, the wife is diagnosed a long time ago with a very unusual type of cancer, Hashem Yerachim. And it was for, for some years it was quiet. It came back very, very, very stark, very strong. And um, such a sweet, sweet person to have a child. Just a very sweet person. And and there was a there was an unbelievable peacefulness in her whole demeanor. It was very quiet and peaceful. Not the husband not. But in her there was an acceptance. And there's no they're not even there's nothing to they don't even have a, a mahalach of what to do with this at this point. There was such a peacefulness. And she was explaining that if not for all the tumult that's being made, because the doctor is saying there's one thing we could try, this other thing we could try, she said she's she's already making her preparations. And she said in such a way, not sad. It wasn't sad. But she wasn't saying it in a sad way. I can't stop thinking about it. The, 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 the godless unnefish of the person. And it wasn't resignation. It was preparation. It's something else. Why is she? So I was thinking about why, why she's she's a lovely person, a chasher person, a yeresha mine. So why 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 was she? Why does she have by her like an asterisk, you know, that thing like around her? Person, a person we know. We each and every one of us has met people like this. We 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 know we know of such things. I had a conversation today with a person who's a, a woman who uh, she's been hearing like a lot of talk about. She's been listening to a lot about terrible things that are going on with the economy and terrible things that are going on with the, with the Russia and, and Iran. And and uh, then the speeches, a lot of speeches. I don't know how about some are giving these speeches about about how if we don't, you know, if we don't leave America, we're all going to die. Things like you know, there, there's stuff going around. I, I, not, I don't think in our neighborhood over here, but there's stuff like this going around, and so she's she's very 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 scared. She's very scared. She's know, the whole massive of the world is scaring her, and these speeches and talks and scaring. <clears throat> so, and I was talking to her today, and I said, so, so what what so. What would be I asked to what so and what would be if if we all had to and if we all had to die al Kiddush Hashem? Let's say that we come to that. Let's talk about such a thing that we, that that it would happen again. It would happen again. The, the home that I grew up in, it was a Kiddush any day that it didn't happen, like it was a surprise when it didn't happen. And so let's say it happens again. So I said so, and if we all if we all have to leave this world al Kiddush Hashem. So that's what we'll do. In other words, you, you're afraid of you're afraid, you're afraid. What could happen? What could happen? So what could happen? What could happen is that we'll all die. Yeah? That's what could happen. No. So then what? So what's there to be afraid of so much? Not that it should happen in Khalila. Everybody should be healthy and well. And Hashem Isbach watches should watch over each and every one of us and our people every second. But if that's if that's what the Virginal wants of us, then that's what we have to do. But a person but a person who becomes, a person becomes immobilized by thoughts of dying, can't use that unbelievable gift of life's, of of that, of how fleeting life is to serve to serve Hashem. Because really, that's a, that's a very powerful way to serve Hashem, not something to cause us to become broken or depressed. People who are not well emotionally become very, very, very broken and depressed. But it's not something that should break us. God forbid. It's a, it's an avoid, an avoid is Hashem, of how each and every one of us has to make our life count, has to make life meaningful, and not to stop and dray around this world. And then all of a sudden, the last second, say, well, what was I talking here for? They, I, forgot, I forgot why Hashem created me. But to live with that machshava, if a person can do that without thinking of the end, that that would be great. But it doesn't usually. That's just not how life works. It doesn't usually. Work, it doesn't usually work that way. 
we don't really, you know, you, you ever you ever meet a person who is told at the beginning of the semester that you're having a final like on on January seventh, and you have and you had like four months to prepare for the final with the writer paper, and there you are, January sixth, just just getting down to work. You've met people like that, no? That's everybody's met people like that, and most people, I don't know, most a lot of people do that. A lot of people do that. <clears throat> the end of something creates a sense of urgency. The end of the year, we feel that when it's El, it's coming. Ends create a sense of urgency. Deadlines create a sense of. It's a funny word, deadline, but that's a deadline. It creates a sense of urgency. And the person begins to think and take stock. And What's the tachlis? And when you enter that into panemius, it doesn't get you depressed. Because if you wouldn't have a deadline, you never would write that paper. And it's a good thing that you wrote the paper. Because you're a creative person and you had, you had some ideas. You never would have put them together if not for the deadline. That scary word, deadline. Now you have a paper. You wouldn't have had a paper. What about the test? Again, I'm not saying how important this test is or that test. Each person has his own thing. But it's a good thing that you read the material and that you and that you studied it. If you wouldn't have had the if you wouldn't have had the deadline, you could have uh, like that. We used to also sit, you know, uh, talk about studying. You have to study until, and then we used to sit around. Remember, like a friend would come over. We had a big final. We had a big final, like uh, it was fi you know the next day or something, and uh, we we begin, you know, we would begin by by first, you know, getting some Carvel, some ice cream. And then, you know, it was like five minutes of studying and then like an hour of ice cream and schmoozing. You know how it is. And that would go on like for a while. And then at some point, we would start to like sit up and say, you know, it's tomorrow morning. The test is tomorrow morning. It's tomorrow morning. And it's okay, 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 okay. And that was it. Like the ice cream was closed. The TV is off. Schmoozing no more. And then to zero in. Could you imagine living like that? Your whole life, not the ice cream and the <laughs> the second part. The second part. What a life! Again, not not with the intensity. I'm not saying to get crazy. Good at a good pace, because in a person, as about say, but it's it's with the it's with the realization of, you know, I can only dray around so much. The tomorrow morning at nine o'clock, I have this exam. That's it, and a lot is hanging on this exam. It's not stamina. It's it's important. It's important. And, and, and that feeling, if not for that, we wouldn't accomplish. If not for those deadlines, we wouldn't accomplish. Every teacher knows that the kids say in class, Rebbe, Mora, whatever you are, really, if, if you wouldn't give us a test, we'd really study L'Shem Shemayim. Mean, give us a chance. You'd see that we'll, we'll learn Torah. Why do you want to do this thing? It's not, even a, it's not Jewish to, to, to take tests. If you give us, trust us. And we'll learn Torah really just to serve the creator of the world. You know, learn Torah to, to serve the creator of the world. Nothing doing. It's a test. When we, when, when we were already in Smicha, at that age, so my Rebbe Abdavid, we, we were in this big room, and Rebbe David gave us the Bechines. The Bechines were going for two days. It was, they were like uh, 15, 20 hour tests in the Gemara. And and uh, to go back and eat and go to sleep and come back and, and keep on writing, and and we were, so we were in the middle of writing this 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 exam a test it's like a whole chazar for the whole the mara. and we were writing this, and 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 David the whole time was sitting and learning, and all of a sudden he jumps up, and he starts to, he starts to sing he starts to scream out, you know, the Taheli jumped up. And he was so excited because he said, "It's such." He said, "It's such a uh, uh, you know." He said it in the Lashon Kodesh. It's such a holy moment. It's because everybody, everybody's mamish learning Torah this second. And sometimes you know in the Shia guys thinking about this, is thinking about that. You know, people are in a different place. But right now, I mean, until the Rabbi inter interrupted us, <laughs> we, we were all we were all like in that place of the Gemara. And he was so excited thinking about how every one of the guys was, all the boys were like in the Gemara, every, completely in the Gemara. The test did that to us. And Rabbi was right, because 
Otherwise, on a regular day, you know, you learn, you learn, but then you take little breaks. Take little breaks. You know, and, you, and then you come back and you take a little break. <clears throat> the breaks now, there's a, a, a longer, longer and, and more dangerous than they used to be. But it's, still, it, it, it's that feeling of impending doom. Not to scare, but to intensify and to make meaningful the time that you have until then. And without that, without that, when I have people coming to collect, uh, every day they have a coming from Israel to collect for the, you know, the Kailo, the yeshivas, you have also coming to your houses. So I always ask, what accountability do the fellows have? What Do they have bechines? Do they have tests? What do they do? I'm not saying I don't give them any money if there are no tests. I try to give something, but, I'm, but it's not the same as I give without tests. When there's no accountability, you just have to be alive and show up at some point during the day, and then you get your check at the end of the month. I don't go for that. That's not Limit Atayra. So you mean it's not Limit Atayra. That's real learning Torah. It's not with any... Uh, yeah, so then they also have to take a check. If it's real Limit Atayra. It's for the sake of heaven. Then don't take any money. Are you telling me that you're, telling me that you're getting paid? People that get, get paid should be held accountable for what they're doing. Should be held accountable. Tuchinas. They have tests. Like the clause in the Rebbe's Chusikman, like he made Mifel Ashas. Testing, testing, on testing centers throughout the world, where the guys learn in, by, on their own during the during the month. They learn a certain amount, and then they get tested with a with a standard test all around the world. And if you get a certain grade, you get a certain amount of money. And if you don't get it, no tiki, no washi. Then you don't get paid. You could cry. You crash cause murder. He says, "I don't care. Do something else." You don't pass. You could take it again. Until you, you could take it as many times as you want. But if you don't get the grade. You don't get paid. Period. It's a different bechina. It's a different bechina. Lahakir buuv the top line in, uh, at, the, at the top of page pay. Lahakir buuv the she'en kandin shalroiv. What does that mean? You know, there's a halacha that we follow in paskning that if that we follow, it's called rov. Rov means to go by the majority. Okay, so you know when the, let's just take a simple example when. When you have a bezin that consists of three, so the two hold like this, and one holds like that, then the one follows the two, and, and we have now a bezin. We go by the rov. We go by the majority. So, it's a kol adam b'chol rega. You talking shezeh hayom ha'achon. So you could say, you could say, well, most people in the world live longer than my age right now. So I go according to the Rav. In other words, I follow the majority who have a longer life you know, than where I'm holding right now. There's no din of Rav over here. There's no halach of Rav. We've seen that, unfortunately. And what that means, so even if you could say statistically, this statistic or that statistic, doesn't make a difference to a person who's got to be dying. But we know that, how the, that the, we're, we're Yidin and we live, in the, we live in Hashem's hands. That means it's, Hashem is main to it means it's a kol adam b'chol rega yitachin shazel hayem ha'achon. Each, each day, each moment could be a person's last. Shazui had kufa ha'achon that could be the last period of my life. This should not cause a person to be sad. All that we're learning, chas This is not to cause a person to be sad. The tzaddikim who live with us are the happiest people in the world. Doesn't make you sad. Doesn't make a person sad. What was it, what I found inspiring about that book, by the, the the final lecture, whatever it's called, was that he wasn't depressed. Didn't come across at all as a depressed person. Also by this by this by this chashev woman, she should be well. Didn't come across at all as depressed. Hippoch Bidiyuk is Mamash the opposite. Lesimcha Amitis. What we're learning now can and should bring a person to true joy. Lesimcha Amitis. Akakshu Zoycha Lahagia Ulevara Laatzmai because it, it causes, it, it almost forces a person to clarify 
to himself and to remember the reason that I exist. Why did God create me? When you don't have, when you don't remember this, when you don't think about these things, you can go day after day, year after year. You stop a little bit Yom Kippur or something like that. Something happens, whatever. You get scared or something. You're sick. Somebody dies. So you a little bit and then and then you go weiter. Then you go weiter. There was somebody I told this to. I told this. I said this on the shiurim last year that there was. I was giving a shiur in the mountains like two summers ago, and. And uh, the subject of talking during davening came up. And this woman came over. Some of you might remember. I don't know. I remember when I told you this. But this woman came over to me. She said that where she lives, where she lives, there was a, in the shul was terrible, terrible business with talking during davening. Terrible. And then there was a maisa that there was a child from the shul that was well, they very, very sick. And the Olam accepted upon themselves. The Rav spoke to them, and some other tzaddik came to them, speak to them, and they, and the Chaver they accepted upon themselves that for this child, they're going to be quiet by Daphne. And, and, and it was a very powerful thing, and they were. And the child lives with them, and he passed away the child. And afterwards, they, they, they took it upon themselves that in his memory, that they're going to keep this going. The lady told me something horrible. The lady said that the father himself of the boy is the biggest talker in the shul. And it's not even a year later. It's totally hefka, the shul. Back to where it was. The, the father of the child himself is the one that makes the most noise. How do we understand that? How could there be such a thing? That's what a person, a human being, is a boss of a dam. It's 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 a, it's, it's a pachet. Not that we'd be any different. I'm not I'm not I'm not judging anybody. I'm not saying that I would be different. Uh, that's the mitzvah of a human being. Can a person forget? But that's how weak we are. And unless a person makes that a part, this a part of his way of living and thinking. And it's not void. Not just when you happen to become, when it happens to fall upon you and you start to think, oh no, what? I noticed another wrinkle. That means I'm getting older. And you start to drift off to that scary place. No. He's not talking about that at all. He's not talking about a morbid thought of the end that just happened to pop into your head because of something that happened. He's talking about his bindness and avoid that a Jew sits down with a piece of paper <coughs> and a pencil and a person sits down and thinks about it at certain times, not a lot. Not all of them, but to take certain times to think about it, and to ask and to dab the Shalom, help me to help me to see and to understand this, and to see how every moment of life is precious, and that I should live it in that way for which I was created to live it, not to let the years go by with Narishkite, but I should live my life in the the way that I was created to live it, with my kaiches and my kishrainus, with who I can be. In the life that you gave me, and to fix what I had, to, what you sent me here to fix, that I shouldn't have to Khalila come back into the world again, that I should be finished with the world, this lifetime and done, to daven for that. That brings a person to big simcha. Because without, with, let me put it in the positive way, with this his blindness of the end of the deadline. Life becomes meaningful. I begin to I begin to study. I begin to I begin to work, without the feeling of a deadline, looming over me. I could spend my life, you know, having Carvel and watching uh, Saturday Night Live. I'm not that's still alive, but that was a long time. That was a long time ago. It must be that so much behind. I hope it's gone by now. But anyway, that 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 awareness that awareness of of the end is what helps you to begin important projects to begin and to work on important projects and to not put them off and to procrastinate procrastinate someone was telling me that the person he was telling me that 
he has to he has to finish his dissertation. I said, so I asked him, when when did you start? He said, 19 years ago. I said, oh, I guess it's probably time to finish. I know, I know, like, what are you going to do? You have to finish. If you want to, I guess you should finish. If you don't care, but it was so chaval. He's like, he already did all of the other stuff, and he already has a lot. He now he has to do it more again because it's already outdated a lot of the material. But it's just procrastinating, procrastinating. <clears throat> when we were when we were in the I don't know if any of you remember this, but we used to be in a little house a few blocks from here on Noda Road. Any of you from those days? Well, Anna knows it. You were upstairs <laughs> you know, in the basement uh, in the, those days. But so we were talking about how we have to get a place. We have to get a place. You know, we have to get a place. And, and it's a lot of money. We have to get a place. And we didn't have a big chavre. It was very, we had a, a sweet little thing over there. And we have to get a place. And where I davened, I had in the corner over there in the front. So next to me, there was a crack in the in the wall, and the crack was like getting higher over the years. It was getting higher. But the place was falling apart. It wasn't. The, it was a house. It wasn't made for hundred guys stomping and kicking the You know, it wasn't made for that. It was just made for like a three and a half Americans or something. And it wasn't made for for that. So at one point, at one point, one of the guys came over to me. By now, this thing was already all over here. It was like, and it was getting wide. He said to me, he, he went over to me. I remember, and he leaned over, he says, Rabbi, you see this? I said, yeah. He says, we got to get out of here. We have to get out of here. This is like, we, this is not going to make it. We have to get out of here. And he said, you can't, we can't go upstairs anymore and dance upstairs with Shul Shul. We have to get out of here. It's not safe. And he was able to, you know, we, we found Jewish ways of keeping the officials away, you know, different ways. But he said that we have to get out. And then and then we spoke about it with the guys. He said, look, this, you know, we have to get out of here. And then they called in some other person to see. And he said, no, we have to get out of here. This is a dangerous place. You can't be here. You can't have you can't have 100 people coming in here. You can't, you can't die in here. And then we, got to, then we were able to come up with an idea. We were able to somehow work it out. And we're still paying. And it's not, it's a lot, but we were able to find an Eitzah. Because you know why? Because that was the deadline. That line over there in the wall, that was the deadline. I think about it a lot. Because I used to look at it, it was right next to me. I used to look at it. I, you could see it like from one shop to the next, getting a little bit... <laughs> we got to get out. That was, that, it created an urgency. And with this urgency, there's unbelievable creativity. There's ingenuity. Where there's a sense of urgency, then a person discovers wellsprings of, of ingenuity and creativity that he didn't know that he had, that he never knew what he had. To think of an Eitzah. In life, it's the presence of the Malachamavis that follows us around that, that creates that sense of urgency. You say you don't like it, just like we don't like the, we don't like the, the house falling apart, but that's the Mitzis. If you ignore that, then you spend your life. You spend your life like a dope. A nice dope, but a dope. If you if you pay attention to that and you think about it, you begin to you begin to make changes. You begin to think differently and make changes. Like the person who was told you have thirty days left to live. It's a different passion. It's not sadness. It's it's the, it's remembering and clarifying to yourself as a tachlis shelishmahulchai. The tachlis why you were brought into this world. Why do you think the Baruch Hashem put you into the world? Why did the Baruch Hashem put you into the world? Why did the Baruch Hashem put us here in the world at this time? What what is what are we here for? Person to think. Kishadam herlech liknais chayfes. Imagine this. Try this one for tomorrow. When a person goes to buy something, all of you should think about this and see. If you knew that you had 30 days left, would you buy this thing if you had only 30 days? I'm not talking about water 
or eggs. We're not talking about supper. We're talking about other stuff. Now, this sounds very extreme to us. He was raised in a different world. But think about it. And, and feel free to argue with it if you think that, it's, if you think that it's, it's, it's wrong. If a person would stop before he buys something and thinks, if I had 30 days left to live, would I buy this? Would I buy this? I was, I was with my father. I was with my father somewhere. And uh, we had to get... I had to get a vacuum cleaner. My father, I drove him, we went to get my father. My mother needed a new vacuum cleaner. So I took my father. And the guy in the store wanted to make this sale to my father. So he said to my father, he says, sir, this is this will last you for 30 years. So my father said, I don't need it for 30 years. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't need it for 30 years. He was laughing like, it doesn't have to last me 30 years. And I, said, I just want a good vacuum cleaner. But I don't have to have 30 years of vacuuming from this. So I don't, my father's eyes, uh, no, I don't like when he says stuff like that, but he doesn't get it. He just says, like, I don't need 30 years of vacuum cleaner. You know, I, do not vacu- I don't plan to be vacuuming 30 years from now. So <clears throat> would you buy this if you had 30 days left to live? What are you going to buy now? Would you buy this if you had 30 days left to live? We're not talking about... I'm talking to a room full of women, so I'm not talking about clothing. You'd buy that even if you had 30 seconds left to live. <laughs> I'm not talking about an outfit. That's... But if you had 30 days left to live, this thing, would you buy this thing? <laughs> maybe you would let go of it, maybe you would give the money, or do something else with the money. Maybe. To leave it for someone, to give it to someone, maybe. <laughs> Certainly the bread and water and other things you need for every day. But those extra possessions. The rotsen to get more things, to have more things. Again, not to make life um, that you should be able to just be alone. Of course, to, uh, you need a place to live and, and you need what you need to. But other stuff, a lot of the other things. To have more and more of Ilam Hazah. That that thought, that way of living must be uprooted from our soul. It's a terrible mistake. Meaning it's a terrible mistake to live with that way of constantly trying to increase the amount of one's possessions. It's a terrible mistake. And the Khajman that we pay for that is beyond anything that we could imagine. It's not it's much more than the money that you're paying. That kind, that lifestyle of buying, the lifestyle of buying, of having more. It, it costs a lot more than what they're showing you on the credit card. It costs a lot more. One has to uproot that feeling to think. This is one of the outcomes of this is minus is to stop and to think. And if I had 30 days left to live, would I be spending my time? You know, sometimes a person, we spoke about this before, sometimes to get a certain thing, you want to finish up a certain thing, you know, whatever, in the, in the, in the bathroom, you need a certain shade or something. A person can go spending spending a week, two weeks, three weeks, looking through catalogs, going to stores for a besakisa. You never heard of such a thing? For a besakisa. What's a basic kisa? I don't think I have to explain it to anybody. Basic kisa is you come out from there, you make an ashayotza, right? For a basic kisa, for a bathroom, to go around, drawing around stores and shops and looking in books and talking to people, for a bathroom, which anybody that would come from another place in the world, like a poor place, and they would see us doing that, they, they, would, they would make fun of us. That We think they have a Rahmanis. They would look at us as the biggest Rahmanis that that's how you spend your life. What could you have done with that time? A million other things. Even if it wouldn't be learning with the parasha, but a million other things. For what? For something in the bathroom. There are different madragas of this. And this is not by any means an anti-Gashmias crusade. Anti-Gashmias. And that wasn't the way of the Bolshev, from the Tzadikim, from the Talmud of to be It's not anti-Gashmias. It's to be like to uproot the, the, to uproot the preoccupation with gathering things that are of no 
eternal value to a person. It's not because you shouldn't have a nice life. It's not that. That's why it happens that clothing is one of the more important things to spend money on. It's true. Because a person feels good. It's one of the more chashiva things. You can't compare a dress or a suit to a, to a shade in the bathroom, you understand? Or to a, uh, to a toilet seat. I'm sorry to say that because my wife sent me years ago to go to get to the store. This is a very rare thing. She asked me to go and to buy a new thing. It broke. I had to, I had to go buy for the basic key so I said, okay. I went to I went to the place, uh, Home Depot, I think. I didn't know what to do. I thought there was going to be three, and I just take white. Or, and I look at this. There's a whole Besakise department. There's a whole department like that. And I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do because my wife didn't give me specific instructions. So I had a big problem. I had to get a phone. There was no cell phone. I had to go to a payphone call. So you know, you sent me here to this. You didn't tell me. What am I supposed to do here? There are a million different things like this. But there are people that they, that's how they spend their life. Can you imagine? You come after 120 Shemaim, and, and, and you know, it's not embarrassing to say, I spent, a lot, I spent such and such an amount of time. What were you doing in that store for so long? I'm sorry. It's embarrassing to say. I was looking for a certain, you were looking for a certain kind of seat? What does that mean? You're talking about in Shul, in the Smedrish? No. Where? Where were you looking for a seat? In the, at the dining room table for Zemiras? No. But we're getting warmer. <laughs> it's embarrassing to say. It's embarrassing to say. The person to live his life like that. Of course, I'm exaggerating, but it's not, so, it's not so far away from how a lot of people are living. It's not so far away. And if it's not the basic key, it's something else. That's what he says. This strong rutsen to get more and more things in the world, things that you don't really need. We have to uproot that. We have to get that out of the system. It's a poison. And again, the person who's sitting and was told he has 30 days left to live, he would look at that as being the most pathetic thing in the world. He would look at his list from yesterday. Today he went to the doctor and the doctor told me he has 30 days left to live. He looks at yesterday's list. It says on it, things to get done, things to do. And it says over there, make sure to get a new Besakise. A new Kise for the Besakise. And he's looking there on the, pa- he's looking there on the paper. I'll manage with this one for 30 days. When we look at our list of things to do, things to do, are those things to do when you have a few years in this world, things to do, that ha- we have to be oiked at mehanefesh. It has to be uprooted from who we are. That doesn't mean not to get nice things, but you don't need them. And not to go running for them and wasting time all the time just looking and coming and going and so on. Unless it's to make somebody else happy. When you're buying something for somebody else, then it's kedai to spend a little extra time. Because then it's a gewalde gemitzvah, you're being high somebody. You're buying a present for somebody <coughs> Making a person happy, it's making a person happy. It's a big thing to give a gift to somebody. It's a beautiful thing. A little bit more time, but otherwise for oneself. The person works hard to bring himself to live this way with this deep feeling inside of himself that his life is not going to be going on forever he doesn't know when it's going to end and he lives with this with a with a deep feeling inside of himself that living with that thought takes you away detaches you from things of this world like the person who only has a little bit left to live, even if, even though before that he was a very, very, he was very much con- connected to physical things and very much involved in everything of this world. But now you see him that he's become very spiritual. He's become, he's become a different person. Why? Cause you, you, you'll meet him and say, "Hey, what's with you? No, 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 uh, no Yankee game today? No, no. 
says Yank again. You didn't hear? I said, what? I don't like to give you bad news, but I heard that I'm, I only have a few days left to live. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But then you understand right away. He doesn't like that. So imagine the guy after he hears that says, yeah, so, but let's talk about the Yankee game. So, so okay, you have you only have a week left, but why aren't you going to the Yankee game? The person would be crazy to say that. After you tell him, I'm sorry you didn't hear that. I hate to bring you bad news, but I only have a few days left to live. Then the guy's not going to ask you again, so what about the Yankee game? You're, you want to come with me today? We're go I'm going. You're in? Can't you in? Back seats? No? It looks like you're crazy. I'm going to go to a Yankee game today. Let me show you. So, what makes you think? What makes you think that it's so entirely not mishigah if you have not thirty days but thirty years? What makes it so not mishigah? So this helps a person to become more detached from things of this world. As a result of that, and and that enables you to get closer and closer to the Nakudas Emes, to the point of truth inside of yourself, and the Tachlis for which you were created. The main Avaida here is Hayizbainus Amivil His Natkus Minara, is meditation, thinking, that can bring you to detach yourself from all that is wrong, from all that is bad all that is sinful and ugly. And when you're able to remove the narishkeit, the silliness, and the male of the ra that is bad from yourself, then it becomes very easy. Then it becomes very easy to set your soul on a course is headed towards that thing which is called the Nakuda Samus, the inner point of your life of who you are. Then it becomes much easier to be to be to go to be able to go in that direction. Hashem will will uh, hopefully will finish the parak next time. And then we're going to go into Shaifas. I think some of you are from Shaifa. So we're going to be talking about about how to strengthen, strengthen more and more one's she'ifas for growing the greatness. Okay,